0: Well, this morning we are going to be moving into uh, and continuing in our series, but we're going to be moving into our values. And so if you've been with us uh, for the last four weeks, you'll know that we've been talking about this new series, a vision series called This Is Emmanuel. And we've been talking about the, the first week was this is our mission. And the mission of Emmanuel Assembly of God is to establish the church in Cleveland. That, that's, that's the mission of Emmanuel, is to build the church, is to establish the church. That's what we want to do. That doesn't mean that, that every single individual, every single church that we help has to be Emmanuel in name. That doesn't mean that we have to get something out of it in order for us to establish the church. It's that our heart is to establish the church. No strings attached because it's all the kingdom, not our kingdom. And then we talked about vision. And we talked about the vision of Emmanuel is to awaken, revive, and redeem the city of Cleveland and its people. We talked about that. And, and the way that, that vision works is that the vision of a church should be, should be driving the mission of the church. So in order for us to establish the church or establish the church in Cleveland... We're seeking, and the way that we do that is through awakening, reviving, and redeeming a city and its people. And so we have that, but then we also need something that drives the vision, and those things are called values. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four values, and this morning's value is empowered living. Empowered living. We're going to be in Zechariah chapter 4 this morning. In order for us to pursue what it is that God has for us, in order for us to to awaken, revive, and redeem, we must live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We must be living our lives and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit without the power of of the Holy Spirit, we can really just say, well, that's, that's good, and, and it's just wishful thinking and hopeful talk instead of things that will actually happen. And so this morning, we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 4. We're just going to read one verse, and I'll cover, um, I'll cover really the majority of this chapter, or at least the first part of this chapter. We're going to be in Zechariah chapter 4. Starting in verse 6 and only reading verse 6. If you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. We got it? You ready? All right. Verse 6, the word of the Lord says this So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that you are so good to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just be moving in and through us, God, that it would not be my word spoken, but yours spoken through me. God, that those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So this passage, specifically this verse, if, you're, if, if you grew up Pentecostal or if you are Pentecostal uh, or, or just now entering into a Pentecostal church, which is this one, we're a Pentecostal church, uh, you've most likely heard this verse before, right? You've most likely heard because we love the Holy Spirit. And we, we love the power of the Holy Spirit. We want, we want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want to live in alignment with the Holy Spirit. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so this verse is one of those that you, know, you, you may, may find at a, I don't know, like a Hobby Lobby that you hang on your wall or something. You know what I'm saying? And in Zechariah, this is uh, one of the many different oracles or one of the many different visions that Zechariah has. Zechariah was a prophet during the, the rebuilding of the temple that you see in Ezra. He, he was a prophet during the time of King Darius of Persia. This is probably about 520 BC that we're, we're seeing. This is when Darius was uh, ruling and reigning in Persia. And during that time, the, the temple was restored in Jerusalem. And, and we see this in Ezra chapter 6, verse 15 says, The temple was completed on the third day of the month of... Of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. So we see this, that, that Zechariah is during this time. He is, he is delivering prophecies and visions, and he is ministering to the people of God during the time of the diaspora, during the time of them coming back to Jerusalem to rebuild both the temple, and then later in Nehemiah, we see them rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. So, Zechariah, he has a, a series of visions and oracles that are meant for the people of Israel, specifically, again, those who are rebuilding Jerusalem. And these are really his first oracles given. And we know that these are, are for, specifically for this time because he mentions in multiple visions that he has leading up to this time frames and different things like that. In other ones later on, specifically in chapters 9 through 14, we see him begin to give visions, see visions and give oracles that don't necessarily have a time frame. It's it's something that will happen, not something that is happening now. And so in this passage, specifically this passage, this vision that Zechariah is giving, this is the passage that is happening. This is one of those that is happening now. This is the spiritual Reality. If you were with us a few months ago, you, you, we preached a sermon, I, I delivered a sermon that was, um, that was talking about the center of existence in the throne room of God and whether or not we believe that that's reality, the fact of the matter is, is that it is. And so Zechariah here, he's giving us a vision of reality, of what's going on right here, right now, during this time when the temple is being rebuilt. And so in Zechariah, in, in Zechariah chapter 4, we see that he's given a vision. We see this in verses 2 and 3. The angel that is giving him these visions asks Zechariah, Zach, he says, He asked me, What do you see? And then Zechariah answers, I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. So, in order for us to understand the verse that we read this morning, our, our main verse, our main passage, we have to understand what in the world is going on here. We have to understand what's happening and, and Zechariah is given a vision, and he 's given a vision of a lampstand, and there's seven bowls on this lampstand and, and, and and there are, there are two olive trees next to the lampstand, one on each side of it. And so what does this mean? Well, the, the lampstand traditionally throughout Scripture, if you look at it typologically, the lampstand, specifically the one with uh, seven lamps or seven channels or seven lights or you, you can even see it in, in Revelation chapter one of the, the seven lamp stands where that Jesus walks through. This is the spirit of God. This is a type of uh, the spirit of God. Throughout, throughout Scripture, we have certain things that, that, are, that are usually used in, in different uh, vision and prophetic typology, and the lampstand is one of those specifically for the Spirit of God or, or the Holy Spirit. We know that it's the Holy Spirit and or the Spirit of God because it has seven. The, the, the number seven is the completeness, the, the, the fullness of the Spirit. But then we also see that, that the Holy Spirit's also given to us as a lamp and a lampstand in Revelation 4 in the throne room. When John is seeing and looking into the throne room, he sees that there's a, a lampstand and that is the one that is Next to the Father, the, the seven, the, the lampstand with the seven stars on it, right? And so we see this, and, and so we, we can say, okay, this is the Holy Spirit. I, I think and I believe that we can adequately say that this is the Holy Spirit. And so, what are the two olive trees? Well, all, all olive trees and, and were, were significant in, in typological things of, of somewhat of leadership. And so these two olive trees are most likely, what what I've come uh, to to believe through my studies and and my understanding of it, is these two olive trees are, are most likely referring to the two main religious leaders of that time that were helping with the building of the temple. Not Ezra, not Nehemiah, but instead there are two other individuals. One of them is Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Israel, and he's mentioned in this verse... Was speaking directly to Zerubbabel. God is speaking to him. The second one is the high priest, whose name is Joshua. And we know, and I think we can glean that these two olive trees are significant and and represent these two leaders because in the chapter before, in chapter three, you see an oracle and a vision given to Joshua. And so these two visions go hand in hand. These two oracles that are given, these prophecies that are given, go hand in hand specifically to the leaders of the people of God. And so this is where we come to in verse 6. Zechariah has this vision, and then the angel of the Lord says, this is what you should say to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, again, was he was the governor of of Israel, he was was an appointed individual through Persia, but he was still a leader within the people of God. And he tells them, and and there's, there's this vision prophecy given, this message given, right in the middle of the vision. So the vision stops abruptly, and then... And then, you, and then the angel of the Lord says, this is what you should say to Zerubbabel. And he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In this passage, we see this is the message that God wants to give to Zerubbabel. He wants to give this message that it's not going to be by might or power, but by my spirit. The vision is at the center between the two olive trees, at the center of these olive trees, in front of the olive trees, because these olive trees are are kind of back into the right and back into the left. I can just imagine it following this lampstand representative of the Spirit of God. And so what does that mean? Well, in this, God is specifically referring to the rebuilding of the temple. And so he's specifically talking about this is how the temple is going to be rebuilt. It will only be, God is telling Zerubbabel, it will only be by my power that the temple gets rebuilt. It is not by your power, it is not by your strength, it is by my power that this temple will be rebuilt. So the Lord speaks on three things regarding the rebuilding of the temple. And I want us to, to talk about these three things, those three words, might, power, and my spirit. The word might here is, is the, it's the Hebrew word, chayil. It's used as a term uh, really to, to discuss and for us to understand military might. Military power, numerical strength and prowess. That's what this word is is looking at this this harkens back really to the army of workers that Solomon had in the building of the first temple we see this in 1 Kings 5:13 it says king Solomon conscripted laborers from all Israel 30,000 men this is an army of individuals right 30,000 and it says conscripted doesn't say ask for volunteers doesn't say it doesn't say hired out it says i put up a draft to get the temple built. 30,000 men. This is the might. It's not going to be by the mighty armies and the mighty groups of people that you can get to rebuild the temple, Zerubbabel. It's not going to be by that. It's not going to be by power. The Hebrew word here is koach, which is the word for strength. You see this same word being used in 1 Kings 5.13 or sorry, in in Nehemiah 4.10, it says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength, koach, of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. This is the strength of the laborers, our own personal strength. God is saying it's not by how many people you have, and it's not by how strong they are. But instead, what it is, is it's by my spirit. The, the word spirit here in Hebrew is the word ruach. And uh, if you want to say ho- holy spirit, it's ruach hakodesh. right? Uh, those of you, I took one year of Hebrew, and so that's why I'm showing off a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but this is the power of God. This is the spirit of God. This is the same spirit that worked in creation in Genesis chapter 1. This is the same Spirit that parted the Red Sea and let it fold in on itself in Exodus 15. This is the same Spirit that made dry bones come to life in Ezekiel 37. This is the same Spirit. There is no doubt that this is the Holy Spirit that does the impossible. God is telling Bub. That's what I'm going to call him now. Look, bub, it's not going to be by how many people you can get in here. It's not going to be how strong you are by how strong you are or how how many bodybuilders you can get in the room. What it's about and how it's going to be built is by my power. fact of the matter is is that god is making a very distinctive statement here he's making a very this is a, a line in the sand statement it's essentially saying if you want to try by your own power you can you can try but it's not going to get done if you want to rally all these people around you and 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 go at it that way and just you know attack it with numbers you can try but it's going to fail But what it's going to be is by my spirit and my spirit alone. So if you want to come over here and allow my spirit to move, the power of my spirit to build the temple, then we'll do it. And it'll happen. The rebuilding of the temple and even the rebuilding of of the wall, as you saw in that Nehemiah passage, was really an impossible task. The fact of the matter is, is that the work of the Holy Spirit makes the impossible possible. The work of the Holy Spirit makes the impossible possible. And so the question that I have for us this morning is, are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know that the past couple of days... Really, the, not just days, but just the past couple of weeks. I've been feeling something very odd on Sunday mornings. And this is just kind of my, I'm going to step out of my preacher mode and just kind of pastoral mode for a moment. I've been feeling that there's some of us in here that are being held back for what God wants to do. I've been feeling very much so like there is a almost in some of our lives there's a daze spiritually, if that makes sense. There's kind of this this mindset or understanding of you would say, Well, that's good and all, Pastor Galen, but what about me? What about my family? What about my husband? What about my kids? What about me? Or some of us in here, we'd sit there and say, man, that's, that's great, Pastor Gale, but man, that looks way too hard. That looks way too difficult for us to do. You're right. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Again, I, I just, I really feel this. Some of you came in here this morning, and as soon as I got up here and said, we're continuing in our series, and you said, oh, again? Why can't it just be a a sermon that kind of just lifts me up a little bit? Why can't it be a sermon that's just kind of, that, that makes me feel good when leaving this place? really feel like there's some of us in here, and man, God wants to do incredible things in and through you, but you have to say yes. If we are going to accomplish the vision of Emmanuel, we don't just need people coming and sitting down in church. We don't just need people. We don't just need people in every single seat and everything busting at the seams. We don't just need to, you know, to grow so much where we go to two or three different services, service times, whatever that looks like. We need people that walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Reminded, I was reminded this past week of the story of Gideon. How great that army was, only to be pared down to a small number that still was victorious. Why? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. If we are going to move forward, this this is the top value. This is the most important one. The other three are important, but if we would would take out the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going nowhere. We might as well just become a charity. I mean this, and again, hear hear your pastor's heart here. I want all of you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. But some of you again are getting in your own way. You sit there and say, Well, what about me? What about the power working in and through me? And God is again saying, It's for you if you take it. Are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? The vision of Emmanuel and the vision for Emmanuel cannot, if we're going to awaken, revive, and redeem the city of Cleveland and its people, it cannot and will not be achieved without the power of the Holy Spirit. The life that you want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the miracles you want to see, the freedom you want to see, the family members you want to see come to know the Lord, will not and cannot be achieved Without the power of the Holy Spirit. As great and wonderful as counseling and movements and all of these things are in righting the wrongs of the world. And hear me, I'm not saying counseling is wrong. It should be both ends, not either or. But it cannot be the be-all, end-all. I've said this many, many times. You've heard me say this, but growing up, my father was an alcoholic. We'd go to AA meetings. We'd have, and, and I would go to, to AA meetings, and, and they, they call it Al-Anon, which is those who are affected with an alcoholic um, family member. And so I would go to to this, and I always found it super interesting that when you drive up to an AA meeting and you get out, all of the alcoholics are smoking. You want to know why that is? Because alcoholism is a problem of addiction. And we move from alcoholism to cigarettes, to shopping, to eating, to whatever we want. You fill in the blank. But the problem is, is that we can go to meetings and we can feel better about ourselves for a moment. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, we will never be free of addiction. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be free of what you're going through. You'll never experience the fullness of life that God wants to give you without the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, I believe very, very truly, you are in this room simply because the Holy Spirit wants you to be in this room and wants you to hear something today and wants you to come closer to Him. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. So can we, for just a moment, worship team, you can come forward. Can we decide today that we want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean it, like, being that individual that is is in line at the grocery store or whatever that is, you know, everybody now is is Christmas shopping right now, and so those of you who, who are Christmas shopping right now, you know, you're standing in line with 20 other people and you all have the same toy. It's a great conversation starter, one. But what if the Holy Spirit just would were, were to sit there and say, Hey, talk to that person? Speak to them about me. Give them the gospel. Would we sit there and say, I've got power in the Holy Spirit? Or would we sit there and say, no, no, I'm not really sure I can do that? Every single thing that we're doing moving forward, every single thing we believe God wants to do, we will not do it if the Holy Spirit is not in it. because I don't wanna be a part of something that doesn't have that kind of power. And I would hope that you in here wouldn't wanna be part of a church that doesn't have that power. I mean it. That means that three people come back next week, okay find a place where the holy spirit's moving where his power's working in and through its people don't settle don't settle for a life that isn't empowered don't settle for a church that isn't empowered don't settle for a ministry that isn't empowered we want we want to focus and, and 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 this doesn't This doesn't mean that we're not going to do other things that would be quote unquote unspiritual like fellowship that we're about to do. The Spirit is in fellowship. There's power in that. There was power on Wednesday night when we released everyone to go pray for each other. There's power in the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing We can try all we want to reach this city. We can go out on the street and we can say, hey, I'll give you $20 if you come and sit in church. And just fill the seats. Or we could be really, really, you know, hip, whatever you want to call it. And fill the seats with people that are really shallow but never deep. Or we can say, you know what, what we're going to do, we're going to get some, we're going to get like three really, really strong prayers, you know. And that'll be enough for us. We'll be able to take Cleveland. You know, Vicky, and we'll get, you know, we'll get... We'll get the Jacobusons. We'll get them all together. And we'll just pray with those three. And we'll reach Cleveland. Not that their prayers aren't powerful. But it's not by our own power. But by his spirit. I would rather have a church that are, quote unquote, as we would see it through the eyes of the world, mediocre prayers, and be empowered by the Holy Spirit than to have some heavyweight prayers without it. We'll finish with this. One of my favorite books of the Bible, if not my favorite, is the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, God is speaking to Joshua and he's saying in, in verse one, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now get up. And then in verse two, he says, now go into go into the promised land, the land that I've, I'm going to give to you. And then in verse three, I love this verse. This is like my verse. Whenever, whenever I was doing school, whenever I was doing work in schools, whatever happened, that was my prayer verse. God is telling Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. What if we walked in that kind of power? Schools we go into, this is mine, this is mine, this is the Lord's, this is the Lord's, this is the Lord's, every place I put my foot. Work we go into, this is the Lord's, this is the Lord's, this is the Lord's, this is the Lord's. The homes we go back to, the restaurants we eat at. What if we were to walk in this power? What if the Holy Spirit empowered his church, empowered this church, empowered you so strongly that every single place you put your foot was conquered? Stephanie, what would Texas Roadhouse look like? Really? Right? Pedro, what would Walmart look like? What would Walmart look like if you said every single place you put your foot is yours? Even the customers, right? Come on. Or Hannah, what about every single person that's renting the Lake Erie building? What if every place we put our foot Vicki, what if the Parma Jail? Every place you put your foot. What about the schools our students go to? Rick, what about the jobs that you drive to? I mean it, man, like, come on. Every place we put our foot, come on. That can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. People will only come to know the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our lives will only ever be changed and redeemed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your story will only be a weapon of light against darkness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's decide today Man, I got I got chills. Like I'm everywhere we put our foot, we're victorious. What if gonna get a little controversial on you? Today's Halloween. Devil doesn't get a day. We're victorious. Every place we set our foot. Look, whether you Are those who go out on Halloween or aren't? Every place you set your foot, God is giving to you. Every door you walk up to, every neighborhood you walk, what if we walked in that power? Saying, "Wake up!" What if we walked in that power? Imagine how amazing and incredible we would see the move of God. Every place we put our foot, out the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.